Exodus chapter 21, verse 1. Now these are the ordinances which thou shalt set before them. In the last chapter, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to give the people. Now he's going to go into greater detail about his law and all the things that he wants them to do. As with the Ten Commandments, his whole law is basically about loving other people. Everything that he commands us to do is to make other people's lives better and to not harm them. Two, if thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Slavery was mainly economic back then. There were some people who got kidnapped into slavery like Joseph, but most slaves, just like economic slaves today who have a lot of credit card debt and they don't really own their own paycheck, back then, if you owed somebody money, you could sell yourself as a slave in order to pay that debt off. But God is saying when somebody sells themselves as a slave, they can only be a slave for six years. After that, they have to be let free without paying anything. There's no strings attached. They're just set free. Isn't that awesome? Three, if he come in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he be married, then his wife shall go out with him. If he becomes a slave single and he only sells himself to you, then he gets set free alone. If he comes in with a wife, either him and his wife selling themselves into slavery or somebody who they owe money selling them into slavery, then both of them get set free after the six years. For if his master give him a wife, and she bear him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. If the master already owned another female slave and gave it to this slave as a reward for good work, the master still owns the female that he gave that slave and the children. 5. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. 6. Then his master shall bring him unto God, and shall bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. The slave, if they want to stay because they love their family and they love their master, then they become a slave for life. And basically they're buying their own family from the master by remaining a slave for life. It is an exchange. In that case, the sign that the slave has sold his entire life for his family is his ear gets pierced in the presence of the Lord. So it says, bring him before God, and that means the Lord is witnessing it. It stays. 7. And if a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. Just like we saw with Abraham and Jacob, their maidservants could also be used as concubines, and they could have children with them. They're married to the master. In the olden days, children were so valuable. The more children you have, the more wealth you have, and the more power and influence you have. Children were highly, highly valued, and that's why the rules about marriage were so much different than the rules today. 8. If she please not her master, who hath espoused her to himself, then shall he let her be redeemed. To sell her unto a foreign people he shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. God hates it when women get tossed out like trash. It's all throughout the Old Testament. God absolutely hates it when women are tossed away. After they've been a wife to somebody, he doesn't want them kicked out of any family. What people would often do is they would take a wife or a concubine, and out of pure selfishness, after using her to have children or whatever, if they decide, oh, you know, I'm done with her, I'm, you know, she's not pretty anymore, 
then they would just set her aside, kick her out of the family and not take care of her anymore and kick her out as if she's a widow. When she was not a widow, she was a wife and her husband is still alive, but he would kick her out like a widow. And this is what God hated. So God always commanded that they repay the dowry back. They give her money and a certificate of divorce. We'll see this later so that she can remarry respectably. And she doesn't have to go into adultery in order to have some other man take care of her. That she has the finances to live by herself or live with her parents or get married again. God hated it when women were kicked out of the family without anywhere else to go. It says here, he shall let her be redeemed if he doesn't want to keep her as a wife. And that means that a price can be paid so that she can go forward with her life. So he can sell her to somebody else, but it has to be another Israelite so that she gets treated well and she's in the Israelite laws of God so that she can't be mistreated. He's not allowed to sell her to a foreigner because anything can happen if he sells her to a foreigner. 9. And if he espouse her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. So if the man who buys her, instead of taking her into his own concubine, he gives her to his son for a wife. Now she's officially and legally his daughter-in-law. And she gets all the rights that any other daughter-in-law would get, even though she came into the family as a slave. That's what God is saying. You can't keep treating her like a slave if she marries your son. 10. If he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her conjugal rights shall he not diminish. We saw this with Jacob and Rachel and Leah. It must be noted that when Jacob had two wives, which were Rachel and Leah, none of them wanted that. Jacob didn't choose to have three wives, Rachel didn't choose to be a second wife, and Leah didn't choose to be a second wife. None of them made that choice. That choice was made by greedy Laban, who was Jacob's father-in-law, the father of Rachel and Leah. Because of his greed for wealth, he's the one that forced Jacob to marry both of his daughters instead of just the one he wanted, which was Rachel. But we did see with Jacob that even though he didn't love Leah, he always continued to give her food, clothing, shelter, and conjugal rights, which means children. He continued sleeping with her so that she could have children, as many children as she could bear. He didn't deny her the ability to bear children and build up a family. What God is saying is if you buy a slave to be your concubine or your wife, and then you decide you want a second wife, and you either marry another woman outright or you take in another slave as another concubine, you cannot mistreat the first one, the one who was a slave or originally. You can't throw her out like trash and say, oh, I'm done with you. You have to keep housing her, feeding her, clothing her, and you have to keep sleeping with her so that she can have children, just like Jacob did with Leah. She cannot be put to shame, and she cannot be let to live in poverty. See how kind God is? If it weren't for this law, believe me, they would have done it. And they often did, and God had to repeatedly tell them to stop throwing their wives away, and that they were responsible for the women who they married. 11. And if he do not these three unto her, then shall she go out for nothing without money. If he refuses to sleep with her and give her children, or he refuses to clothe or house or feed her, then she has the right to walk out and not pay one penny. She is no longer his slave. 12. He that smiteth a man so that he dieth shall surely be put to death. Life for life. If you kill somebody, you get put to death. 
13. And if a man lie not in wait, but God cause it to come to hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he may flee. Now this means if you killed somebody by accident, and God is saying, I caused it to happen. If I caused it to happen, then you can flee to a certain place because each family would demand blood if one of their family members died. Say if my brother dies, then I would send somebody out to kill the person who killed my brother. But God is saying there's going to be like a no killing zone where if the person killed my brother by accident, then they can go to this safe place. Then whoever I send out to kill them won't be able to do it in that location. 14. And if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, meaning deceit, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. What people would do is they would go to the altar of the Lord and they would grab onto it. Because if you grab onto the altar, that's the safe place where nobody can kill you. It's a defilement if they slay you at the altar. People would actually run. Can you imagine running into the temple and grabbing the horns of the altar to prevent anybody from killing you? Normally, you would do it if it was an accident. Say a man is on a ladder and I accidentally bump into the ladder. He falls off and dies. At that point, I would hightail it to the temple, grab the horns of the altar because that's a safe place because it was an accident because his family is going to send somebody to kill me out of honor. But God says, if everybody knows that I deliberately tipped the ladder to make him fall, then they can pull me off the altar, and then they can kill me. 15. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So if you kill your father or your mother, you definitely are going to die. Because how can you accidentally kill your parents? If you're that careless, that's evil right there. But it's very unlikely that you would ever accidentally kill your parents. 16. And he that stilleth a man and selleth him. Now this is what they did to Joseph. His brother stole him from his father and sold him as a slave. Or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. This is called man-stealing, when you actually kidnap somebody to put them into slavery. The normal way to go into slavery is if you owe somebody money and you sell yourself for six years to pay the debt. But if you get kidnapped into it, that's not acceptable by God. 17. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. It means that you hate them. If you curse them, you're probably going to harm them somewhere down the line anyway. It's a sign that you really do want them dead. It's just not excusable. 18. And if men contend, meaning they fight, and one smite the other with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but keep his bed, 19. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. That means acquitted. That means found not guilty. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. If two men get in a fight and one of them has to pretty much go to the hospital because of it, but he lives and he can eventually get up and walk again and work again, then the one who put him in the hospital has to pay all the cost of him getting well, plus they have to pay him for the loss of work. Say you're in bed for five days, then the man who injured you has to pay you for five days of labor, plus he has to pay your medical expenses. 20. And if a man smite his bondman or his bondwoman, meaning servant, with a rod, meaning a stick, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. So if a master kills their slave by hitting him with a weapon, then the master is going to be punished. 21. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, 
he shall not be punished, for he is his money. If the servant dies immediately, the master gets punished. But if the servant lives for a couple of days, the master won't get punished. It's possible that the slave died of other reasons. But if the slave dies immediately, then we know it was a result of the beating and the master is getting punished. 22. And if men strive together, meaning they argue, and hurt a woman with a child so that her fruit depart and yet no harm follow, he shall be surely fined, meaning he'll have to pay damages. If two men are fighting over a woman and one of them causes her to have a miscarriage, if she's still alive and she's okay, then he only has to pay a fine for the miscarried child, according as the woman's husband shall lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. The husband gets to decide what the dead child was worth, but the judges determine how it gets paid. That's how I'm reading it, because it has to go before the community that this is what happened. I guess they're not really fighting over a woman, they're just fighting, and then the wife happens to be there, and she gets hit, has a miscarriage, but she herself is okay. That's what this situation is about. You'll notice that there's different commands for different situations. God is really good. He thinks of everything. 23. But if any harm follow, then thou shalt give life for life. 24. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. 25. Burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And a stripe means like if somebody slashes your skin. So if only her child dies, then the fee has to be paid. But if the woman dies too, then the man who killed her, who was fighting with her husband, he has to die. Then God says, whatever you do to somebody else has to get done to you. So say, I just break somebody's finger. My punishment is that my finger gets broken. Say I poke out somebody's eye. My punishment is that my eye gets poked out. If I kill somebody, my punishment is that I get killed. And on and on and on. Equal punishment for the crime. A lot of people use this against God and they say God is such a hater because he wants to punish people. Actually, this is merciful. The reason God made this commandment is because they would have just outright killed the person if they poked your eye out. Because what the Israelites were doing was, if you punch me, I'm going to kill you. God was saying, you can only do to them what they did to you. That's the limit. This shows the kindness of God that he allows their kind of earthly justice, but it has to be actual justice. It can't be mayhem. 26. And if a man shall smite the eye of his bondman, meaning his servant, or the eye of his bondwoman, and destroy it, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. If the master is so cruel that he causes his servant to lose a body part or a function, then that slave gets to go free. And they don't have to finish their slave time. They don't owe the master a penny because he mistreated them. 27. And if he smite out his bondman's tooth or his bondwoman's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. If they damage the person in any way, then that person is no longer their slave. That, that person gets to walk. That's like... 28. And if an ox gore a man or a woman, that they die, the ox shall be surely stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit, shall be acquitted, mean found not guilty. If your ox kills another person, then you have to put that ox to death. You can't make any money off of that ox anymore. You don't have to die because your ox did the killing, but because you were irresponsible with your ox and allowed it to happen, you can't make a penny off of it anymore. So you not only have to put it to death so that it can't work for you, but you cannot eat its flesh or sell its flesh. 
because otherwise you'd be profiting. 29. But if the ox was wont to gore in time past, meaning the ox had already showed aggression, and a warning hath been given to its owner, meaning the judges have already said, hey, you need to watch your ox, and he hath not kept it in, but it hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall be put to death. So if the owner already knew that it had a dangerous animal, and it didn't keep it locked up so that it couldn't hurt anyone. What I would do if it was my ox that was dangerous is I would just go ahead and slaughter it and eat it. But if you're irresponsible and it goes out and kills somebody after you were already warned, now both you and the animal are going to be put to death because that's manslaughter. 30. If there be laid on him a ransom, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whosoever is laid upon him. If the owner is allowed to pay a fee to live, then he shall give for the redemption of his life. 31. Whether it have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to this judgment, shall it be done unto him. Whether it's a girl or a boy, the life is of equal value. Because in a lot of cultures, girls would be valued much less than boys. But God is saying if the ox killed a daughter, the same punishment stands. 32. If the ox gore a bondman or a bondwoman, he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. A slave's life is worth thirty shekels, which is a lot of money, and the ox will be stoned. If your ox kills a slave rather than a free person, then you won't die for that, but you're going to have to pay the owner of the slave because they lost what that person would have been worth as a slave and you still have to kill your own ox, you can't make any profit off that ox anymore, because now it killed a human, and that means something to God. 33. And if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, 34. The owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. If you carelessly dig a pit and you don't cover it properly, then you get to keep the dead animal and you have to pay the price that, that it would have been if you had bought that animal for slaughter. You now bought the animal. It's kind of like if you're in the store in the olden days and you dropped something and it broke and you had to pay for what you dropped. If you caused your neighbor's animal to die, then you just bought that animal. 35. And if one man's ox hurt another's so that it dieth, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the price of it, and the dead also they shall divide. If your animal kills another man's animal, you both have to cut your losses together and you get even profit. So the dead animal becomes both of yours. It's meat for both of your households. Also, you have to, you have to sell the live ox and divide the price. 36. Or if it be known that the ox was wont to gore in times past, and its owner hath not kept it in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his own. If you already knew that your ox was dangerous and it killed another man's ox, you get to keep the dead ox, and he gets the live ox. 37. If a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall pay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. You have to give a whole lot of interest. And I mean, this is a high interest rate, really high interest rate for stealing. If you steal an oxen, you have to pay for five oxen. The owner will get five times what that oxen was worth, that ox. And if you steal one sheep, the owner will get four times what that sheep was worth. Um, sheep have more babies. As you can see, God's commandments are very detailed and very fair. And we'll be reading more of his laws in the next chapter. That concludes Exodus chapter 21.